This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Ishmael Kawaja. Hello, hope you're doing well on Tuesday the 18th of October. Thanks for downloading today's podcast. Well, it's been a second day of major disruption at the Dartford crossing, as just stop oil protesters are still on top of the QE2 bridge. Two men have been up there since yesterday morning and overnight slept in hammocks dangling from the cables. Morgan's one of them. He gave us an update this morning. We just survived the first night up here. I was pretty cold and didn't sleep much, but I'm okay. And we're up here until the government makes a meaningful statement cancel all new licenses and consents for oil and gas extraction because oil and gas is killing us now and it's driving millions into poverty this winter. So we have to have an an emergency transition to renewable energy to provide a stable, affordable energy. And we've got to pay for that transition using the profits of the oil and gas industry and the rich. So now's the moment for civil resistance. Come and do what you can at this pivotal moment in history. UK's former chief scientist, Sir David King, said we have to move swiftly. We have two to three years left to get out of an uninhabitable earth situation. So come and join us at Downing Street every day, 11am, take part. We'll stop this disruption when the government cancels all new oil and gas extraction licences. We've also been chatting to fellow activist Oliver Clegg. This isn't the X factor. We're not trying to be the most popular people here. What we're trying to do is bring about change. And that's the change that's needed for 19-year-olds like myself to actually have a future. I mean, we've tried the the petition signing. We've tried the marching. We've tried standing in the corner of Market Square with a placard. And it hasn't achieved anything. What we need is this kind of disruptive protest. I don't see another way that I can have a future if we don't engage in this kind of disruption. We've seen more and more extreme tactics, but that's because we've also been seeing more and more extreme climate disasters. We had 40 degree heat last summer. 1,700 people died during that. 60 families lost their homes to fires caused by that 40 degree heat. 40 degrees of heat in the UK was unthinkable. And that's that's in 2022. Imagine what it's going to be like next year. Imagine what it's going to be like by 2050. We don't have time to wait. What we're actually talking about is renewables that are nine times cheaper. Nine times cheaper. Would you rather your energy bills for 3,500 quid or 400 quid? This would help with the cost of living crisis. The, The biggest solar farm in the UK was built in just six weeks. These projects that they're building now are going to be taking years to come online. They're going to be useless in the short term. What would actually... What would actually be useful if the government genuinely cared about trying to get us energy security would be if it shifted towards renewable energy. We already have eight years of fossil fuel reserves, even if we turned the tap off right now. Eight years. We have a clear line. We're going to stick to non-violence. We will never harm anybody. But we're going to we're going to keep on taking action until the government meets our demand. There's no alternative. There's no alternative. There isn't. There isn't a world where we don't get this demand met. If it isn't met, 
then you can you can wave goodbye to, to a, a pleasant future. Aerial footage, which you can see at Kent Online, shows the huge build-up of traffic because of the crossing being closed. Mike Parr is the managing director of logistics company PML. He's been chatting to our colleague Jamie over at KMTV and revealed how he's losing some drivers for up to eight hours. So the whole of the transport schedule has been thrown out of sync. Containers delayed being delivered to customers for packing. So it's, uh, it's cost everybody quite a bit of money, to be honest with you. And I imagine this has sort of caused a lot of problems for your, for your business. Can you tell me more a bit, a bit about that? Yeah, well, we, we specialise in perishables. Uh, all the time the, the, uh, the product is left on, on the road in the containers, it's obviously perishing. It should be on the shelves for people to eat. And it's not, unfortunately, it's stuck on a lorry because of these people at the top of the bridge. What would your message be to these to these protesters? Well, I think they need to, uh, I agree with individuals protesting, but to hold a, hold a country to ransom, uh, I think they need to realise what they're actually affecting. Um, it's not just financial, but they're actually making, doing more harm to the uh, to the world with what they're doing because our vehicles are having to take longer routes our diesel uh, is having to burn additional uh, additional diesel is being burnt because we're having to run the fridges longer and the poor farmer who's, who's spent months and months growing the product wherever it's where it may come from potentially could be going into the bin so i'd like for them to just tell us what do they think they're achieving they're actually polluting the world even more. Police say they're continuing to work to resolve the situation as safely as possible. Our other top stories now. Two women have been killed following a crash on the M20. Four vehicles collided on the coastbound carriageway between the M25 and Rutum yesterday morning. Man's been arrested after a motorcyclist from Kent died in a crash on the A21. The 48-year-old woman was riding a bike which collided with the Mercedes on the border between Kent and Sussex on Sunday. The driver of the car has been questioned on suspicion of causing death by careless driving. And an Ashford man who carried out a campaign of abusive and controlling behaviour against his ex-girlfriend has been jailed. A court heard Ryan Alford became increasingly aggressive and secretly filmed moments of intimacy, which he threatened to post on Snapchat before stalking her last spring. He's been locked up for 20 months, but the victim says she fears the footage of her could re-emerge and is calling for tougher sentences for such a crime. Kent Online reports. People living in a retirement village in Snodland say they're living in fear after it was targeted by a group of young people. Residents of Rectory Close say the group have been pushing over fences and climbing on the roof. They're also worried about them getting in a front door that was broken. 60-year-old Adrian Coleman lives there. The problem we've got is the door has not been responded to over the last three to four weeks and causing a lot of distress and anxiety to myself and other residents here who do not feel safe because it's door is not locking and it's been wide open some nights and kids have just been coming in and running amok and uh, you know it's it's not we're not feeling safe in our own homes which I feel is totally unfair and I think something needs to be done for peace of mind for the vulnerable and elderly that live here. The housing group saying the safety of residents is their absolute priority and the door has now been fixed. The number of hate crimes based on someone's sexuality or gender identity in Kent has hit a five-year high. 
Data from Kempelese shows there were 839 recorded last year. That's a rise of 30% on the previous 12 months. The force says tackling such offences is a priority. While LGBT rights charity Stonewall have called the stats deeply worrying and say as a society, more needs to be done to tackle violence and abuse. Firefighters have managed to put out a huge blaze that spread to a number of gardens near Dover. A large amount of rubbish caught alight, along with an outbuilding and a disused caravan on Archers Court Road in Whitfield last night. Crews spent more than five hours at the scene. A wheelchair user says he's struggling to be able to leave his Dartford home because of a broken lift. Callum Kennedy lives on the third floor of a building in Phoenix Place, but says the lift has broken at least 10 times since April last year. A note for residents said work is underway to try and fix the problem. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. Now, how often do you use the self-checkouts when you're out shopping? I'm guessing not so much if you've got a long list of groceries. Well, the Aldi in Cherry Tree Avenue in Dover is going to lose some of its man tills as the budget chain introduces a self-service option in the new year. While some feel the move will speed up queues, others say it will drastically affect their shopping experience. Our reporter Leanne has been asking regulars what they think. I usually go to Tesco's, they've done the same, it does my head in. Queues are like Christmas now when you go up there. Yeah. So would you be really devastated to see the same happen here? Yes. I know they're going to, I think it's going to be two or three tills they're going to replace. Do you think you'll stop coming here because of it? No, I, I probably won't, but uh, I, I'm, I'm really thinking twice about using uh, Tesco's now because it's all self-service stuff and there's too many people queuing up uh, for, for assistance. Yeah. So, so do you think queues will be longer if they do the same here? Probably, yeah. yeah. I like to go to, to the till and pay there, you know not self-scanning because we old people technology we are poor in it you know so it means every time when i'm coming there i'll need someone to help me you know so it wouldn't be good then if, if they did a couple of self-scans you wouldn't like it you wouldn't use them i won't use it if there is someone in the till i prefer to use someone in the till it, it depends how many they're gonna reduce the normal tills too basically um, I personally don't like self-service tills I like to be served by somebody but it's just a matter of how they're going to do it so do you think it'll be okay if it's just one or two one or two would be okay as long as we don't lose too many of the normal tills yeah and then also because I work in a shop and I serve a till and you know people will lose jobs so that's the bad side of it. The only bad thing about this store is the queues. Um, but still worth queuing up. People still do it because you can't beat the prices. Yeah. But yeah, self-service checkouts. Um, if they get it together, it should be good. A lot of the other shops, they're there. But you, you stood around waiting for a member of staff who isn't there a lot of the time. So yeah, I think great idea. So you would actually use them then? That's good. That's good. I would I'd use them. Well, I, I shop there every day. I've got four children, uh, very fussy eaters. We grow most of our food, but there's always bits and bobs we need, and this is just, you can't beat the prices. Like today, we're a treat at salmon. I couldn't afford salmon if it wasn't for Aldi. An Aldi spokespersons told the Kent Online podcast, following positive feedback, we're extending our trial of self-checkouts to further improve customer experience. And man tills will still be available for customers who prefer to use these. 
Elsewhere, thousands of 10-year-olds will be finding out later what secondary school they can apply to go to next year. The results of the Kent test determine which ones will be eligible for a grammar. But some campaigners say the system should be scrapped because it's out of date. Well, I've been getting the thoughts of Joanne Bartley, who's from campaign group Comprehensive Future. We campaigned for fair admissions, but we believe the Kent test and other 11 plus tests are, are pretty unnecessary and they discriminate against poorer children because richer families pay for tutors. Uh, there's a lot of research that shows the test doesn't select very accurately. About 22 percent of children based on GCSE results um, are kind of in the wrong type of school. So there, it's a not an accurate test. It breeds tuition, which makes families waste money. It upsets children. It's stressful. So we think this test is unnecessary. I mean, Liz Truss uh, went to a comprehensive school and she's prime minister. She got into Oxbridge. Um, so it's, it's basically what is this system still doing? It's kind of people, conservatives often talk about it being about parental choice. But it's kind of like if you live in Kent, you always have to use the system, don't you? It's just here. So um, we, we feel strongly that um, all the evidence shows it doesn't work. The pupils in grammar schools do fine, but they would get equally good results in a, in a non-selective school. So it, it really, we, we will keep up our campaign to, to end the test that has gone on for decades and decades. I mean, it was invented in a time when there was still the cane in school and in no, sort of dunces caps and it's a very old-fashioned test that that we feel should be withdrawn and uh, we would do much better with grammar schools existing as great schools but educating uh, all pupils in their community if lots of children go to grammar school the non-selective schools have less of those kind of children and and you know it does change the, the makeup of the school the balance is different you know they've got more special educational needs school uh, pupils more disadvantaged pupils because these are the sort of pupils that aren't going to grammar schools so it does impact on all the other schools and we have some absolutely amazing non-selective schools in kent that just do brilliantly because the teachers are dedicated and you know it's just they are great schools but they're stuck with this kind of selection problem of of having the children that the grammar schools don't want and, and, you know, friendships break up. It's just horrible, isn't it? That, you know, now we get a test where some child who's friends with another child and they're doing both fine at primary school together are now forced to go to separate schools. So it causes all these knock-on effects of sort of social cohesion is damaged too. And especially with the poorer children who just, you know, we know, we see the stats. I wish the stats were published by every single grammar school that shows how few disadvantaged pupils they educate. And this is entirely because of, tuition and the fact that primary schools don't prepare so it's kind of like a system that's causing a social divide in our secondary schools. emails will be sent to parents this afternoon those who don't get the results they're expecting can appeal companies across kent are being urged to make sure they're talking about the menopause and supporting women going through it today is all about raising awareness and highlighting some of the symptoms there are more than 30, ranging from brain fog to insomnia. Deborah Thomas is a wellbeing manager at Southeastern and started to go through it at 36. All my periods had stopped um, and it was just, you know, I was just thinking, oh gosh, what's going on? You know, wasn't really too sure. And it was like two years later that I finally had um, a blood test and it was confirmed that I definitely had, um, was going through the menopause. All my um, levels, my, my hormones were very, very high. And I'd started getting all the night sweats, the hot flushes. Um, my hair started falling out. It was just brain fog. Everything was just all at once. It was just really strange. Because you don't really like to think that you're going through it so young. Because you just think, well, you know, when my mum's had a baby at 43, you know, and they normally say, well, it can run in families, you know. 
I was going to say, did you know much about the menopause? Because perhaps at 37, it's not something really that you're thinking too much about. It's more when you get into your 40s, perhaps, that you start to think, oh, you know, is that going to happen to me soon? Was it a bit of a shock for you? It was, yeah. I had no idea. I didn't really know much about it. Never really thought much of it because I was so young and just assumed, you know, but at the time it was like, oh, you know, normally get it to you about 45 to 55, you know. So, yeah, very much a shock. And how did it affect you personally? Did, you know, you, you talked about the night sweats. I know a lot of people suffer from insomnia and perhaps putting on a bit of weight. I mean, how did it make you feel generally and did it affect your work at all? Well, I did. I felt really, really tired. And um, I started getting less and less sleep because of the hot sweats and the night flushes. They were just really, really bad. So through, throughout the night, I'd just be waking up so often. It got to a point where I was waking up, must have been about 15 times a night. Um, and it was just getting ridiculous. And in the end, I was literally just surviving for years on an hour a night sleep. Um, and that continued for a good 10 years or so. It was just awful. I just felt so lethargic, felt tired all the time, couldn't really sort of understand what was going on. But then I sort of started looking at the, my diet and see if that had any effect. So I just, I just did a bit of research, had a look around, see what was going on. Um, I spoke to my manager at the time and just said, well, you know, I'm just awake really early. So can I not adjust my shifts and start earlier? So he happily agreed, okay, well, what sort of time do you want to start? I said, oh, I'd say about six o'clock-ish. So I started at six. So uh, then I'd do my shift. Um, but obviously, if there was other things that came in the diary, I'd then have to adjust and work later. But it seemed to work very, very well. Southeastern were really, really supportive. It got to the point where um, I was literally, I wanted to just throw up with the hot flushes throughout the day. So when I was with my previous employer, when this all first started, I literally would just run out the door. Um, it could be the middle of winter and I'd just run out, no coat on, and just standing out there trying to cool down and, you know, try to catch my breath and palpitations would be going. It would just be awful, but I suppose it's part of life. And you mentioned about how supportive were your employers were. How important was that for you? Because I've heard of people before who've actually given up work because they literally can't cope they're also feeling anxious about everything and they've had to give up a career which is just awful really when it's a natural oh, thing that we have to go through it was immensely important and it was just you know I've always been quite an open person and can talk about sort of things like that and luckily you know I was a good relationship with my manager at the time and we, we just talked about it and I just said you know she's really awful I can't cope with certain days and brain fog I'd just be like where am I supposed to be going? What meeting am I supposed to join now? And Southeastern were just tremendously brilliant with it. My manager helped me so much. It was just a joy because then, like you say, who knows, maybe I would have just given up and just thought I can't deal with all this. The rail company is now a menopause-friendly employer and says it's important to educate men and women. And one of the most deprived schools in Kent has been recognised by Microsoft for the way it's using technology to help teach children. Richmond Academy in Sheerness is one of just a few hundred around the world singled out by the tech giant. They've been awarded showcase status, which is being seen as another landmark in the school's transformation. Our reporter Megan Carr has been along to the school to find out more. This is who she spoke to. 
I'm Helen Evermy. I've been the head teacher here at Richmond Academy for nearly six years now, um, and we are part of the Stour Academy Trust, which is a family of eight schools uh, working across Kent. So we are one of only 100 schools in the UK and we were one of the first primary schools in Kent to be awarded this status. Um, and how we use the technology is across all um, roles in the school. So it has, within our trust, it has um, made uh, admin systems more efficient and less time consuming, which has meant that people can focus on jobs that are more um, beneficial. Um, in terms of teaching and learning, using Microsoft tools has really enabled us to um, personalise learning for all pupils, particularly those with an additional need, because they can access Immersive Reader that allows them to be able to um, access the text of the class are reading. Um, they can change simple things like they can change the colour of the background of the screen that enables them to be able to read text right clearly. Um, they can zoom in and out on pages so they're able to think really carefully about how their work is being presented. Um, and also we can mark more efficiently so teachers can see in the moment what a child is able to do in a lesson and can go over and maybe write something on a page as a child sitting across the room um, and give instant feedback because they can see the work that's going on on their iPad. We like using our iPads for like when we have to do our work, say for like when we've got one note we'd have to do like our reading, writing, maths, PSHE, science and all that. We have Safari. Yeah, I, I like Safari because um, like you could like use thesaurus which you can put um, word in that give you better words for it, better vocabulary for it. synonyms for words and research. On one that you can have like straight line tools, so like um, if you're doing like maths then you need to do like um, long, mul long multiplication or um, long division, long division um, you can use um, the straight line tool to make the grid. My name is Catherine Coleman, I am the year five teacher here at Richmond Academy and I have been here, this is my fourth year now at Richmond Academy. It doesn't get rid of old fashioned teaching, it facilitates it, it helps us enhance teaching and learning and it gives children more accessibility, loads more that they can do and ways of expressing themselves that perhaps they can't do on a piece of pen and paper. If you have a child that can't articulate, or sorry, if they can't write down what they want to say, but they can say it with ease, that's still progress. So we record it rather than write it. We do everything we do to enhance the children's experiences, to get them ready for the 21st century. We're not in a world of factory jobs anymore. We're in a world where they're gonna go into digital resourcing jobs. They're gonna go into digital roles where they have to code, where they have to think about creating projects and thinking for themselves collaboratively in groups as well. So if you're one of those people that perhaps think that technology isn't there to enhance learning and is actually a lazy way, come and see just what the children do because you will be incredibly surprised. On our website, you can see how an airport in Kent has been left looking like a hospital from the 1980s. Part of the departure terminal at Manston was used for filming the Sam Mendes movie Empire of Light, and the set has been left behind. We've been given a tour of the site after it was announced it can reopen as a cargo hub eight years after flights were grounded. And it's understood part of a big budget movie is being filmed at a Kent tourist attraction. A giant lighting rig has been craned into position at the historic dockyard in Chatham. We're told it's not for Call of the Midwife, which is usually shot there. 
Meanwhile, the same crews are thought to be behind the closure of the Kings Ferry Bridge on Sheppey on October 29th. Again, it's been suggested it's for a large US feature film. Personally, I'm hoping it's a new Marvel movie, but that could just be wishful thinking. Kent Online Sports. Football and Gillingham have been drawn away to Kidderminster Harriers or AFC Fylde in the first round of the FA Cup. Both sides are in the National League North with a replay match tonight determining the Gills' opposition. Epsfleet United will play at home to Halifax Town when the round one matches take place next month. And Kent Paralympian Millie Knight has decided to take a year out from skiing. The 23-year-old from Canterbury won bronze in the downhill event for visually impaired athletes in Beijing earlier this year. She now wants to take some time to recover from the long-term effects of the multiple concussions she sustained over the years and finish her degree. Well, that's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also now get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site by subscribing at kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.